0: Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Elika Burma, as Sally was saying, and I'm in the English faculty here. And uh, uh, w- what I'll do um, in, in my allotted time is, is, is a touch on, a, on an expansion of um, interest in the world uh, within the English faculty, and then tell you a bit about the research project, uh, in my case, funded by the Arts and Humanities Research Council very generously for three years. Um, that is called South Asians Making Britain, which, uh, to build on something that Rana was saying, uh, looks at the network of Europe and Asia uh, from the perspective of interrelations between, in particular, India and Britain, Uh, in a a, a more recent period than the the very long period that Rana was referring to in the case of China, the period 1870 to 1950. But just before I do that, uh, you may have a question in your mind as to what an English prof is doing uh, talking about um, cultural histories and and, uh, networks between uh, India and Britain. Uh, Well, uh, suffice to say that, though, of course, the English faculty is world-renowned, Uh, for its teaching in the the great tradition, as we say, leading from Beowulf to Virginia Woolf. Uh, (laughs) It continues to be very, very, very strong in that area. But in recent years, attention has also moved out to what we call uh, sometimes post-colonial literature or world literature in English, uh, to refer to my own job title. In other words, Literatures written in English from around the English-speaking world. So, as you heard from Sally, my specialism is in particular in the Indian novel in English, uh, Salman Rushdie, Aravinda Diga, who's currently on the Booker Prize shortlist, and, and also in certain uh, literatures of Africa. I also teach Australian writing, I teach Caribbean writing. In particular, uh, an author you may be surprised to hear, featured on the undergraduate syllabus, Derek Walcott. the the Nobel Prize winner, Uh, we we, we teach him in in the third year. I have also, as as, as you've heard, uh, written a cultural history of Nelson Mandela, looking at Mandela not only as uh, the the leader, the the champion of of democracy and and non-racialism we all know about, but Mandela also as a cultural figure, as a subject for poetry, uh, in 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 his country, South Africa, and um, uh, th- that by way of an example of this expansion of 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 literary interest uh, from the vantage point of the English faculty. Now to home in a bit on I'm just looking for the mouse. Um, here we go. Ha. Right. This is uh, the poster for our project. Uh, which is more specifically entitled, actually, South Asians Making Britain, South Asian Visions of Home and Abroad, which is a collaborative project that I'm involved with, very much like Rana's project, collaborative, involving postdoctoral researchers um, and and, uh, research fellows, located both at the Open University and here at Oxford. A team of five actually recently uh, expanded to six with um, somebody having gone on, on, on maternity leave. Now the trigger for this project, uh, which is a, a three-year project, as you can see from the from the dates um, over there, uh, 07 began last year to to 2010. The trigger for this project was our collective interest in thinking about the long history, with emphasis on long, history of South Asian migration to Britain. The long history of Caribbean migration to Britain in the 18th, 19th and 20th centuries has already been investigated by people like Catherine Hall, the novelist Carol Phillips and others. South Asian histories of migration though there's plenty of evidence for there having been Asians in transit between India and England in the 19th century, far less intensively researched. So we were interested in tackling that gap. We were particularly interested, too, in demonstrating that post-war immigration, the post-war immigration of South Asians to Britain was not a sudden an unanticipated development, but had been prepared for, if you like. The ground had been laid by numerous Indian travellers, students, activists, teachers, lawyers, writers, poets, who had lived in England earlier on and written in interesting and vivid ways about their experiences. So what, our project is asking, did these early presences, if you like, of South Asians tell us about migration, ideas of belonging, of Britishness, of citizenship, of cultural integration in the post-war period. To give some examples, as I think it's always great to, to, to focus in on examples, in the 1880s and 1890s, the Bombay Parsi sisters Cornelia and Alice Surabji and the travel writers B.M. Malabari and Mukharji, produced a range of travelogues, essays and studies of Britain refracting from their position as both within and without British culture, perceptions of how Britain was understood at the time. Cornelia Sarabji is a particularly fascinating character. I don't know if any of you have heard of her. She was the first woman to graduate from Oxford in law. She studied here in the 1880s. She was a great, great friend of, um, of, of Benjamin Jowett, the, the master of Balliol. Malabari is also particularly interesting. His travelogue, An Indian Eye on British Life, published in 1893, remarkably early, is, is interested in giving a multi-layered map, but from an Indian point of view of what he called the dirty little pool of life in London. <laughs> and Syed Ahmed Ali, the founder of the Muslim League's London branch, was campaigning for the political and cultural rights of Muslims in India and Britain, in the first decade of the 20th century, around 1908. Ranjit Sinji, the Jam Sahib of Nawangar, attended Cambridge as a student from 1889. So the focus isn't only on Oxford, right? <laughs> this project also on, on um, uh, other towns and, and institutions. And by 1895, he was playing cricket for England against Australia. This last example is, for our project, extremely suggestive for um, our understanding of, of Britishness in this early period, as this will have been one of the first times that an Indian, and indeed a non-white cricketer, participated at a national level, if you like, representing England, embodying England at this most English of sports. We're not looking only at these remarkable intellectual figures, we also look at uh, uh, characters like Ayers, who came over with British families coming back from India uh, to England, who who, who in many cases continued to live here for a number of years, up to 10, 12 years in in, in some cases. So what we want to do then, ultimately, is, just to to give you an impression of our Methodology um, is to is to create a complicated map of Britain and of some of uh, Britain's major cities, uh, if you like, a multicultural map uh, of of this period. This is a map of Bloomsbury, um, broadly conceived, uh, around nineteen twenty, uh, showing you, if you if you relate the index back to the the numbers on the map, showing you. Um, involvement of Indians and involvement of British people with with India um, around this, you know, iconic area, iconic cultural area of the period. Bloomsbury, of course, associated with Virginia Woolf and and Lytton Strachey and others, and and here inseamed, if you like, with Indian interests, Indian cultural presences, um, and and fascinating Indian. Characters. So we're we're producing maps like this. We are we are reading the memoirs, letters, um, uh, diaries, journals that these fascinating travelers uh, left, and eventually, at the end of the of the three years, we will produce a, a <coughs> compendious, uh, multi chapter cultural history of the period, looking not only at literature but but also at politics, um, and um, and anthropology, Uh, so an interdisciplinary study. I'll leave you with that map in mind. Uh, And and just uh, one last thing, another visual aid, um, sorry, is the one in your hands that you should all have. which is by way of <coughs> annotating the map you've just seen. Uh, that photograph from 1926 is um, of everybody who was involved in setting up the first Indian restaurant in, <laughs> in London uh, in, 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 in the 1920s. If, if you like, the, the, there, there you see the pioneers of what is now you know, widely recognized to be Britain's national dish, i.e. curry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.